Hello again, and welcome back to the podcast for Buckeye Q. It was an off date, but we don't ever stop talking about Ohio State football. We found more defense to break down for Zach Bourne as Ohio State gets ready for the second half of the season, starting on Saturday against Iowa. But before we can even get into that, Zach, you went and did some scouting, I understand, on the off date? I, I did, man. We're always working. You you said it. it, it the bye week for the team. There's no bye week for us, man. We're we're hitting the ground running. Berm's off doing his recruiting stuff. You're sitting there breaking down film nonstop. You know, I'm getting sent out uh, to, to scout our next couple opponents in the Big Ten. I was up in the big house on Saturday watching Penn State and uh, Michigan. And, man, it just – there was some bad ball. Bad ball on Saturday. Yeah, I was. I, we went into it. We talked about it last week. Uh, we talk about football all the time when you're texting me, obviously. But uh, it's like, well, Michigan's strength of schedule is garbage. Are they for real or not? Are they frauds? Are they real? Like it was hard to tell based on who they played in the first half of the year. Like, well, all right, well, Penn State should give a barometer of that. And for about, I don't know, one half, it looked like oh, maybe both of these teams could be okay. Maybe they're just really going at it. And then Penn State folded in half, and they're vaunted rush defense collapsed and Michigan ran the football down their throats. And I, I don't know, like, I guess I give credit to Michigan for winning the game the way that they did, but I didn't really leave it thinking like, ah, well, Michigan's now a real threat to beat Ohio state. Um, maybe I'm reading that incorrectly. I think that what they did was good, but I, I almost chalk up more of it to what Penn state did in the second half and their issues that they have on both sides of the ball. than than that, then maybe that's not fair, but that's the way I took it. Yeah, well, you know, going into that game, you and I were talking. You look at the Big Ten uh, schedule that Michigan had played. They played a very tight game against Maryland team that we don't think is all that great. They played a very kind of tight game against Iowa. Granted, you go on the road, and anyone knows uh, playing at Iowa is tough to play, even when they have an offense that's worse than any freshman team in Ohio. But that, that's here nor there. And then they went to Indiana, and they struggled bad up until halftime and then they pulled away in the second half but that first half was a very close game at indiana and so you take those three games and you're going into the penn state game and be like man th th we actually might be able to see something on this and so um you know the first half i do have to say michigan dominated but you know they, they it was 14 13 they they were de actually i think 16 14 and a half they kicked the field goal late but you know they give up a almost 65-yard rush to Sean Clifford, which is just a huge breakdown. And then J.J. McCarthy throws a pick six, and you're sitting there at halftime like, man, this is a close game, but it was just a weird game. You know, it's almost like Michigan can run the football, but other than running the football, the offense is stagnant. Blake Corm is a phenomenal running back, and I think, you know, we'll break that down more when the Ohio State-Michigan is – but Blake Corm is that entire offense. You need to make sure that J.J. McCarthy beats you. But then you're sitting there, and it's almost like looking at the Penn State game coming up. It's They didn't make any adjustments on defense. Penn State was just sitting there and getting just hammered in the mouth. And then they're still trying to uh, take on J.J. McCarthy like he's a top five passer in the country. And so what's going to happen when they play C.J. Stroud in this Ohio State offense with the way they're able to throw the ball? You think by that point, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigbo will be back. You think they're going to have more of their weapons. They're going to be healthier. But then you also have an offensive line who this year we've shown is able to run the football in the Ohio State offense. And so it's like. What's Penn State going to do? I, I, you know, we're looking at where Michigan and Penn State ranked, but all in all, it was just a bad showing by Penn State on the road. 
Yep, can't have that. And if it seems like we're spending more time talking about those programs in Iowa, uh, there's a good reason for that. Uh, I'm not <laughs> sh- the silver bullets. We might have a, a smorgasbord to break down next week, Zach, because I'm not sure how Iowa with that offense is going to score against a group of silver bullets that right now are playing and living up to that top 10 standard or better that they set out in the preseason. Well, I was going to do one of two things this Saturday. They're either a going to jump into a, a freaking triple I offense and try and get three yards in a cloud of dust back to the Woody Hayes days and just try and keep the Ohio state offense off the field. Cause Iowa does have a pretty good defense. So they're probably yeah. thinking if we, minimize the, the time of possessions that Ohio State offense has, our defense can put up a battle. So they're they're going to do that and, and throw their entire eggs in the let's just try and get three yards and a cloud of dust basket, or they're going to throw some crazy wrinkles in this offense like we saw Rutgers do and Greg Shiano, knowing that their normal offense will just get absolutely hammered by Ohio State's defense. So they're going to do a bunch of trick plays, do, you know, all kinds of things and go completely off kilter on what they're normally doing and break every tendency that they have. Those are the only two things that they can do. Who knows what they're going to do, but if you're the Ohio State defense, that's what you're playing it for. Yeah. Brian Ferentz has not really been known for his uh, offensive creativity. So I imagine they'll probably just keep doing the same nonsense that they have. And if they're trying to do that by going at JT to good luck to you. I think I was looking at the stats and I couldn't believe it, Zach, because I felt like he has been one of the most impactful defenders on the Ohio State roster, and he has seven tackles through six games. Three tackles for a loss, granted. Uh, I don't know what the number of holding penalties penalties that should have been thrown on plays where he could have made sacks or done something else, but I went back through. I'm like, this can't be right. Didn't have a single tackle against Michigan State. I remember seeing him flying off the edge time after time. I know that the individual numbers are maybe not that important, but they are if like you're looking around the rest of the country like, well, this guy can't, he's a five-star. Why is he not doing anything for Ohio State? It's not showing up in the stat sheet what he's doing. Why is that? What are you seeing from him? I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, everything that you just said couldn't be more true. He's getting held like crazy. Uh, yes, his stats aren't there, but he's playing very well. And I think this is what the uh, Buckeye Nation knows or knows why he's playing well or how he's playing well is because you look at the defensive line and how much Larry Johnson rotates that front four. Who's the one constant player that barely ever comes out and is not getting rotated for? It's JTT, right? And so that is that goes to show you how well he's playing. So many teams are running away from him. You know, he is the guy that is manhandling uh, the, the guy across from him. He's getting pressures. We could go on and on about how many times he gets held uh, in a given game that's not called. But the dude is doing everything that he that he needs to do and is being a dominant player. Teams are just running away from him. It, it's as plain as simple as that. He's just not getting those stats that sometimes, hey, listen, we've also seen sometimes where guys have crazy stat numbers, but they don't play all that well because tackles fall into their lap. That's not the case. He's playing very well. Just the ball's not coming his way. But guess what? I'm telling you, he's going to get that game changing uh, strip sack, uh, you know, scoop and score something like that here soon because he's just playing that well, not for things to start going his way. Yep. So we had to get a little creative to find some clips for Zach to break down on JT, but we wanted to highlight how well he's been playing and see if there's some common uh, threads about why that is, because he's going to be very critical for Ohio State. Maybe not against Iowa, but certainly in the second half of the season as this championship push begins for the Buckeyes. Let's break it down now and roll the tape.
All right, Zach, we're going to go way back to week one here and a situation second and long. Ohio State was actually losing. It's been a long time since we can uh, really say that, especially in the third quarter of a game. And you got JT on the edge. This is not going to be the sexiest play that we ever break down on Buck IQ, but it seemed like a pretty fitting example of the work he's doing, especially against the rush. It for sure does. And I want people to realize this. You got jet motion going away. If you pause it right here, right? You've got JT and basically I think that's Lathan Ransom up there on the top end. You've got those two guys literally on this side of the hash, right? On the right side of the hash to the boundary. If it's not for JT right here, stringing this out and taking on two blockers, Notre Dame has Ohio State outnumbered right here by a lot. Right. And it's basically a two on two. This guy can take it to the house. Instead, JT here takes on two different blockers, strings it out, and Lathan Ransom is able to make this play, I think, for like a two yard gain. Right. This unbelievable play. It does not go down in the stat book whatsoever. No one probably noticed it when the game was going on. But when you turn the film on and you watch this and how important this play was and how much JT did on this play, I mean, this this makes or breaks the game right here. If Notre Dame takes us to the house and it's 17-7, this is a completely different game. There was something that we talked a lot about last year. We, we always talk about reading and reacting, especially when it comes to the linebackers. But the other part is, I remember specifically in the Oregon game, and then again later in the year in the rivalry, you were talking about the importance of setting the edge and how it didn't seem like Ohio State was doing that well enough. Um, this seems like a better example of what might have been missing. C- completely agree with you. When you have a soft edge and you're getting manhandled on, uh, on the end, it just creates so much more, more space, right? Lathan Ransom makes this play. If you pause it right there, how ma- what's this running back have to do? He's got no play other than, hey, I'm going to try and duck my shoulder down and get an extra yard or two going to the sideline. If JT gets washed down and doesn't set the edge, it doesn't string this out, and then Lathan Ransom has to make a one-on-one tackle in between the numbers and, and the sideline, that makes it a much harder tackle. There's a lot of open space. If you have a good running back, he's able to make, make a move and then take it to the house, right? JT's doing everything right here. He is being strong on the edge. He's taking on multiple blockers. He's stringing it out where the running backs only giving him a one-way go and so the guys that are pursuing after the football it's easy when you know the running back's got one lane and that's it when he's got multiple lanes or you can do different things it makes it much harder and so like you said 100 percent setting the edge is huge when it comes to stopping the run and that's what jt is doing right here i love that i can give you a, a, a running play from the middle of the third quarter that goes for three yards and you can break down all that insight. That's what I love about Buck IQ. Here's one that's a little bit maybe easier than that. Uh, JT with a little, little twist game stunt. And uh, don't think many people are going to win a one-on-one matchup with him in the hole here. No, for sure. And and I love what Ohio State does up front, especially when you have athletic defensive tackles that we've seen them have this year, like with Mike Hall and some of the other guys. JT's able to play. He's obviously playing a little stunt game right here, comes up underneath. This is so hard on any offensive line to, to obviously protect against. But JT using his quickness, come back around, making a huge tackle for loss here. I mean, yes, JT's making a play. Yes, um, you know, he he's kind of looking like the star in here. But this is just a whole front uh, thing. You know, you see everyone taking the proper steps, taking the proper angles. JT's going to come back around here with this stunt game with Tommy Eichenberg. And bam, I mean – Arkansas State can't do anything right here. And if you pause it, look where look where all the silver caps are, right? You see the defensive lineman stay, you know, playing the proper gaps. There is nowhere for this running back to go or even quarterback to go if he were to keep it. 
but you know, you, you see, um, uh, eight there on the outside and you even see, I think that's, uh, Cody Simon, maybe playing linebacker as well. Granted, yep. you'd like, to play a little bit more square on the offensive lineman that's that's taking them on. But look at all the silver caps. They're all in the running lanes doing their job. Yeah, hard to really complain uh, about any of that, especially if you're Jim Knowles. You dial them up and put them in position to make a play. They do it. And since we made it halfway through the year, Zach, and we haven't had any you know, real boring passion about the officiating yet, I thought, you know what? Let's take a look at this. Against Michigan State, um, spoiler alert: there will not be a flag thrown on what happens here. Uh, the officiating is it, it, so bad. It, it goes back to what Mike Vrabel sent an email out about this week to to the NFL. They want more consistency. Guess what? As a college player, as a college fan, as a former player, you want more consistency. I don't understand how this isn't a holding call. There are two refs looking at this. Look, you got both refs right there looking at this right now with their heads in the backfield. And GT just gets pulled down. He gets tackled right here. He beats a dude. Unbelievable pass rush. Shows speed on the outside. Uses athleticism to, to, to spin back to the inside. And just gets tossed. And I don't know how they don't throw a flag here. I'm sure to J- JTT this really pissed them off. But hey, listen, the dude's making plays. The dude is there. This is another thing to show everyone that, hey, the dude is playing very well. He's creating havoc. Just the stats aren't there. And it's hard to be there when you get tossed down by an offense tackle without a flag. Yeah, so here we go. He's, what else can you do? You just throw your palms up. He absolutely destroys somebody. The official is standing five yards away. Mike Hall winds up. We can watch the end of the play there, too. Mike Hall uh, is there to clean up sacks for it. This one belonged to JT. I mean, it's stolen from him. 100%. This is one of those things where the refs are like, hey, you guys got a sack anyway. Stop throwing your hands up. And on the other hand, JT should go to Mike Hall and be like, dude, you owe me dinner or something because your your stats are padded by one sack after, after this because it should have been mine. But yes, I mean, you know, we've seen JTT use so much power, you know, and that's what he used a lot last year. And he's gotten even stronger this offseason. He's using a lot of that this year. But you're starting to see him use the, the speed rush too. And once he starts using that power and that speed rush, he's going to get the offense tackle back on their heels. And that's what you see right here. And so he gets the offense tackle back on his heels. He's trying to kick slide. And then guess what? He spins to the inside because he feels the opening and, and is able to react to what the offense tackle is trying to do is he's obviously trying to sit on him and gain the extra leverage by by sitting on the speed rush jtt comes back to the inside all the offensive lineman can do is literally drag him down in the only way uh for him not to murder the quarterback and that's what he does and uh, yeah I, i'm sure the offense this was the ones when the offensive tackle gets up and and starts smiling because he knows he got away with a massive one <laughs> hey he did save his quarterback's life here that's that the only thing you can say for it yeah, no, no doubt he he did right. The the quarterback's buying him a lunch, buying lunch because <laughs> everybody yeah. everybody has to pick up the check on both sides of the ball here. Correct, hundred percent. Right. So the moral of the story from Zach Bourne on Book IQ is that JT Tuomolo ignore the stats. He's still very very good, uh, and we found a way to document that without him making that many tackles because that's what we do. That is what we do. And JTT, oh, I mean, he is due so much uh, attention for what he's done this year. And I know he's not getting it because of the stats, but the dude has been an all-out baller. And I'll tell you this much, 
towards the end of this year with going to Penn State, even playing Iowa at home, but going to Penn State, having that massive one at the end of the year against Michigan, JTT's got to be the guy to step up, and he is going to be that guy just because he's been playing so well, even though people haven't noticed. All right, another opportunity for him to show the world that on Saturday against Iowa. Zach will be back next week to break that one down as what uh, should be a pretty nice afternoon for the Silver Bullets on deck there. For Zach, I am Austin Ward. This has been uh, Buck IQ on the podcast. See you then.